Let's turn to Daniel. We'll turn to Daniel chapter 4. And because God's word is holy and it should be honored, let's stand as we're able to read from Daniel 4, starting at verse 4. This is God's holy and infallible word. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream, and it made me fearful in these uh, fantasies as I lay on my bed, and, and the, the visions in my mind kept alarming me. So I gave orders to bring into my presence all the wise men of Babylon, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the conjurers, the Chaldeans, and the diviners came in, and I related the dream to them, but they could not make its interpretation known to me. But finally, Daniel came in before me, whose name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and whom is a spirit of the holy gods. And I related the dream to him, saying, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, since I know that a spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery baffles you, tell me the visions of my dream which I have seen, along with its interpretation. Now these were the visions in my mind as I lay on my bed. I was looking, and behold, there was a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree was large and became strong, and its height reached to the sky, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its foliage was beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all the beasts of the field found uh, all the beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the sky dwelt in its branches, and all living creatures fed themselves from it. I was looking in the visions of my mind, and as I lay on my bed, and behold, an angelic watcher, a holy one, descended from heaven. He shouted out and spoke as follows, Chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its foliage and scatter its fruit, let the beasts flee from under it, and the birds from its branches. Yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground, but with a band of iron and, and browns around it, in the new grass of the field, and let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him share with the beasts of, in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. This sentence is by the decree of the angelic watchers and the decision of a command of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whom he wishes and sets over it the lowliest of men. This is the dream which I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now behold, Balthasar, tell me its interpretation, inasmuch as none of the wise men of my kingdom is able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for a spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, whose name is Belteshazzar, was appalled for a while as his thoughts alarmed him. The king responded and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation alarm you. 
Belteshazzar replied, My lord, if only the dream applied to those who hate you and its interpretation to your adversaries. The tree that you saw, which became large and grew strong, whose height reached to the sky and was visible to all the earth, and whose foliage was beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in which was food for all under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and in whose branches the birds of the sky lodged, it is you, O king, for you have become great and grown strong, and your majesty has become great and reached to the sky, and your dominion is to the end of the earth. In that the king saw an angelic watcher, a holy one, descending from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground, but with a band of iron and bronze around it in the new grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him share with the beasts of the field until seven periods of time pass over it. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king, that you be driven away from mankind and your dwelling place be with the beasts of the field, and you be given grass to eat like cattle, and be drenched with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whom he wishes. And in that it was commanded to leave the stump with the roots of the tree, your kingdom will be assured to you, after you recognize that it is heaven that rules. Therefore, O king, may my advice be pleasing to you. Break away now from your sins by doing righteousness and from your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor in case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. Let us pray. Oh, Father, help us, we pray, to understand this, your word. Give us your Holy Spirit to receive the interpretation that is from uh, your mouth, from your word. Help us, we pray, for we ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. First question I'd like to ask is, why Nebuchadnezzar? Why did God give a man like Nebuchadnezzar these dreams? I mean, God did give dreams to Daniel. We'll find some of the dreams that Daniel had. But it seems that more of the visions or the first visions were given not to Daniel, but to King Nebuchadnezzar. Why him? This man was the source of so much pain and suffering for the Jewish people. This man was responsible for the siege of Jerusalem. This man was responsible for the death of many, for the starvation of many when that city was sieged. And we know that God did ordain this. God was the one who ordained Nebuchadnezzar to be the one to then come in and take his people captive. Nebuchadnezzar and his armies were the tool of chastisement, the belt of chastisement, or as in the South we'd say, the belt of spanking, of discipline of the people of God. 
As we find more in today's uh, study in Daniel, as we'll find later, that Nebuchadnezzar was a proud man. And the reason that he was proud was because God had given him a, a great kingdom to rule over. You think maybe that the first vision that he had received concerning the statue would have given him some humility. He wasn't the entire statue. He was only the head, a glorious head of this great statue. But along with the other kingdoms, this great statue came crashing down when a stone cut without hands came from heaven and smashed the feet of the statue and brought the whole thing crashing down. You think maybe he would have said to himself, well, my kingdom nor the kingdoms that follow me will, will stand forever. So maybe I should humble myself before the God of Daniel. But instead, he makes a, a great big golden statue and tells people to go worship it. Of course, uh, God delivers Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from uh, the hand of the king. But here, uh, we, in today's text, we find out that Nebuchadnezzar is still not convinced that God is the God of heaven, is the only true God, and we'll see that in a little bit. And uh, look at verses uh, 4 through 7. It gives a little bit of an introduction to what's going on. It talks about Nebuchadnezzar um, being at ease in his palace. He has a dream. He's fearful, and he, as he lays and sees these visions on his bed, it alarms him. So he gives orders to bring to his presence all of the magicians, the conjurers, the Chaldeans, the diviners, that they would come and relate the dream to him. But they could not. There's some things that we like, I like about this particular passage is that Nebuchadnezzar is no longer angry and ready to rip people limb from limb because they can't give an interpretation. Maybe his anger is lessened at this point. He's not as a wrathful man as he was. Or maybe he just knew that he had Daniel who could, he, he could depend on. Now, I'm not sure why the king didn't just trust Daniel and call for him in the first place. But instead, he wanted to, I guess he wanted to give his, his old crew a chance. Uh, I don't know. The, we, no one knows the reason. But we're, we're not sure. But in, in verses 8 through 9, we find out that Daniel has the confidence of the king. Uh, look at verses 8 through 9. But finally, Daniel came in before me. This is, the key, this is given in the words of the king speaking first person. But finally, Daniel came in before me, whose name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and whom is a spirit of the holy gods. And I related my dream to him, saying, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, since I know that a spirit of the holy gods is in you, no mystery baffles you, tell me the visions of my dream which I have seen, along with its interpretation. Now, he trusted in Daniel. He knew Daniel had something that his magicians and his Chaldeans and his wise men didn't have, but he placed confidence in a plethora of their pagan gods. That the spirit of these pagan gods was the reason why uh, Daniel was able to give the interpretation. So he's not, at this point, a monotheist believing in the God of the Bible, but he's believing in a plethora of pagan gods. 
So the first thing we'll do is we'll look at the first main point, which is the king's dream. And secondly, we'll look at Daniel's interpretation. Uh, look at verses 10 through 12. Um, he says he's laying on his bed. He sees a great tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree was large and became strong, and its height reached to the sky. It was visible to all to the end of the whole earth. Its foliage was beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the sky dwelt in its branches, and all living creatures fed themselves from it. Okay, so this tree is so great that it reaches up to the sky, so tall, you can imagine maybe the great redwoods of California, which are some of the tallest in the world. Maybe it's tall like that. But again, keep in mind that this is a vision, that this tree is so great and so large that it can be seen throughout the whole earth. So imagine you're on uh, Virginia Beach and you're looking across, all you can see is ocean, but you see, a, you see something tall extending up from the land way, way behind. Now, of course, we know that because of the curvature of the earth, you probably wouldn't be able to see Portugal all the way from Virginia. But imagine all the way from Virginia, you can see a tree in Portugal. That's the kind of tree we're talking about. Some vision of a great tree that reaches up to the heavens. So humongous. Maybe a tree that could be seen from satellite from outer space that big. you know, Or maybe by the astronauts circling the earth, they could see this tree you know, as they circle the earth. This tree was not only great in size, but it offered shelter. It, off, it offered protection, security, provision for all the living creatures that lived under its branches. It says that all the living creatures also fed themselves from it. Now, as we talk, we'll find out a little bit more about the interpretation, but um, this was... Uh, something of great importance. This vision, this dream was of such great importance that God's holy angels were involved in speaking unto Nebuchadnezzar. Now, if you have the New American Standard 1995 edition, which I'm reading from, the word angelic, for angelic watchers, is in italics. That means that it's not in the Hebrew. Okay? But... Because the context here, it says a holy one, a watcher, a holy one, and then later on there's the mention of holy ones, it's safe to assume that these which are messengers from God are the angels, the angelic beings. Um, I think that's a safe assumption of the translators of the New American Standard 1995 edition. Look at what these great angelic watchers were saying. But initially, it's, a, it's one single watcher. But verses uh, 13 through 17. I was looking, and the visions in my mind, and as I lay on my bed, and behold, an angelic watcher, a holy one, descended from heaven. He shouted out and spoke as follows. Chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its foliage and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches. 
was this great tree that was chopped down. But then, as we go to find out that what is left of the tree is a stump, but the stump that is left is later referred to as a he. Look at uh, what, the, what the angelic watchers continue to say in verses, um, as we continue on, verses 15 through 17. Um, Let the stump with its roots in the ground, but with a band of iron and bronze around it, the new grass of the field, and let it be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him share, him, the stump, let him share with the beasts of the grass of the earth. Let his mind, so now the stump has a mind, let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let a beast's mind be given to him, and let seven periods of time pass over him. This sentence is by decree of the angelic watchers, and the decision is a commandment of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the Most High is ruler over the realm of all mankind, of mankind and bestows it, what's it? It is earthly authority. Bestows it, that is earthly authority, on him he wishes, and sets it, uh, sets it the lowest, over the lowest of men. Now, the king then relates this entire dream to Daniel. He assures Daniel that Daniel knows how to interpret this dream. Again, he puts his confidence uh, in the pagan gods, and uh, I believe in verse 18, the holy gods, the spirit of the holy pagan gods is in you, Daniel. I don't know why Daniel doesn't correct him, but we'll find out later that the king does um, get humbled. But then Daniel then gives the king his interpretation. Before Daniel begins giving his interpretation, Daniel can't even speak. Why can't Daniel speak? Because he's bewildered. He's appalled. There's no explanation for what's going on in his facial expression, but you can imagine Daniel being there with big wide eyes and his mouth open. The king observes this, and but it says here in verse 19, Then Daniel, whose name is Belteshazzar, was appalled for a while as his thoughts alarmed him. He was appalled, he was alarmed. Then the king responded and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation alarm you. So the king knows that Daniel is bewildered, alarmed. And what happens next in this next little verse, or I'm sorry, in the latter part of verse 19, is that Daniel seems to show almost an affection for King Nebuchadnezzar. He doesn't want harm to come to him. He's a pagan king, but why does Daniel seem to have this affection for him? But look what he says in the latter portion of verse 19. My Lord, that's Lord with a lowercase l because he's not Lord God, but he's my ruler. My Lord, if only the dream applied to those who hate you and its interpretation to your adversaries. In other words, 
Daniel doesn't want this to happen to King Nebuchadnezzar, but he knows that the dream applies to this king. And that's where we find out this interpretation and how it does apply to King Nebuchadnezzar in verses 20 through 26. We won't read all of it. I'll try to read some of the highlights. He says, This tree which you saw, which became large and grew strong, its height reached to the sky and was visible to all the earth. Its foliage was beautiful and abundant. He goes on to say that that tree is you. The creatures that are dwelling in the branches and below the tree and feeding from the tree, you could say, are the nations. The, na- the nations of, that have been taken into the empire of Babylon are the ones that are represented here by this great tree. He says in verse 22, It is you, O king, for you have become great and grown strong and your majesty has become great and reached to the sky and your dominion is to the end of the earth. He says, in that I saw the angelic watcher, a holy one, descending from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground, but with a band of iron around it in the new grass of the field and let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him share with the beasts of the field until seven periods of time pass over him. Okay, we stop for a second and we might ask, well, why would you wrap bands of metal around a stump? Now, I don't know if you know this, but we've, we've cleared a lot of land down at the bottom of the hill of this property. And we cut down some trees and we cut down lots of bamboo and we cut down um, crepe myrtle trees. I call them trees. Maybe some people call them shrubs, but they really grow the trees, really. You can cut that baby down to the very bottom of the earth and to the very level of the dirt and it will grow back. You have to dig it out or burn it with fire to keep it from growing back. And that's the case with this stump. This stump is going to grow back, but the bands being wrapped around it are hindering the growth for a period of time. We don't know exactly what the period of time is here, but it says it's for seven periods of time. That it's being stunted, it's being kept from growth until these bands are removed. Daniel warns the king that... The king will be driven away from mankind and his dwelling place will be with the beast of the field and that he will be given grass to eat like cattle and he will be drenched with the dew of heaven and seven periods of time will pass over him until he recognizes this ultimate, very important truth that the Most High, that is God Almighty, is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it, earthly rule, on whomever he wishes. Now, Nebuchadnezzar doesn't seem to grasp this. I don't think he responds in a proper way to this. Upon hearing this interpretation, Nebuchadnezzar is probably scratching his head and saying, I don't know about this interpretation, my, my, uh, my chief magician, Daniel, Belteshazzar, How is it that me, the greatest king of the earth, is going to go eat cattle 
like an, like an animal. I mean, go, go eat grass like cattle. I just don't see this happening. Um, we do find out later, and that's the story for the next sermon, that the king has to be assured of not just what God says, but God has to show him his might and power to enact this um, to come to pass. Um, for the sake of Nebuchadnezzar, sometimes it has to be experienced first before it can be believed. Um, Daniel does say that it was commanded that the stump with its roots of the tree would remain, and this assures the king that um, he would um, be granted a rule at a later time uh, once he is assured and recognized that heaven is the one that it is through the God of heaven that he rules. Daniel gives a concluding remark. In light of this terrible prophecy, in light of what is going to happen to the king, in light of the fact that Daniel is aware that the king is going to go mad, he asks the king, he pleads with the king, to repent of his sin. Verse 27. Therefore, O king, may my advice be pleasing to you. Break away from your sins and by doing righteousness and from your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor in case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. Okay. I think Daniel's assured that the word of the Lord will come to pass. And the word here for prolonging is key. He knew that this was going to pass, come to pass upon the king at some time. But he's hoping that if the king repents of his sins and turns from his sins, that God's going to stay this off a bit. He's going to prolong the king in his prosperity before he goes nuts and starts crawling upon the ground and eating grass. We'll look at that next time. But why did the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, have this vision? The purpose of God was to raise this man up. To raise him up to greatness, to power and authority, to be one of the greatest rulers of one of the greatest empires that were that ever was in the history of mankind, in order to then bring him back down. He exalted Pharaoh to then humble Pharaoh. He exalted Nebuchadnezzar to then humble Nebuchadnezzar. And he gave this dream uh, to Nebuchadnezzar. What's the big difference between Pharaoh and Nebuchadnezzar? God spoke to Nebuchadnezzar in a way that was to help him. Pharaoh was exalted but brought low and cast to the bottom of the sea. Nebuchadnezzar is going to be brought low but is going to be left alive to then be humbled for a glorious purpose. What's that glorious purpose? For the praise of the God of heaven.
key thing to take away from this text is it, it is the Most High who rules over the realm of mankind. And he bestows earthly authority to whomever he desires, to whomever he wishes. We should pray that God gives us this understanding that it is he, God Almighty, who rules not just in heaven, but he rules in heaven and on earth. When we don't like politics, both in Louisiana and we don't like politics in our nation, remember that it is God who rules in heaven and even maybe in an election that we don't even trust, we know that God grants authority to whomever he wishes. Now, why does he grant authority to sometimes incompetent and evil and wicked rulers? Partly, I think it's for the chastisement of his people. And then maybe it's to raise up godly leaders in their stead. Maybe it's to continue that cycle that we see in Judges. When the people are oppressed, when they have their freedoms taken from them, they cry out to God and God hears their prayers and then spares them and sends others to rule in in a way that, that helps them. Matthew 28, in that Great Commission, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus is the one to whom all authority has been granted. Um, Revelation 1, verse 5, John says that Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus Christ, is the ruler of the kings of this earth. Jesus is that one who rules with a rod of iron upon the nations. He gives earthly authority to whomever he wishes. But the most important thing that we have to understand is that in order for us to obey and to keep Jesus as our king and ruler, we first, we first must obey that holy call of the gospel. We are commanded by Holy Scripture, repent and believe upon the, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. Heed the call of the king to repent and believe and trust him and his holy gospel. Let's pray together. We do confess, O Father, that Jesus Christ has been given authority in heaven and on earth, that he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. We pray that Jesus may rule our hearts by means of his holy gospel that Jesus Christ may be our prophet, priest, and king. Subdue us, O Father, to yourself through the means of your Son, through the work of your Son and through his Holy Word and by his Holy Spirit. Make us, we pray, your loyal subjects, that we would serve you as king, that we would love you, and that we would live for you. Help us to remember that you have all power and authority and that there is no authority given unto man that has not been ordained by your hand. Help us to understand and to believe and to trust you. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, 
our Lord. Amen. For our closing hymn, let's turn to uh, 4.15. We gather together. We'll stand and sing 4.15.